we knew we were going to deal with a pandemic, but there are now not one but two hurricanes potentially careening towards Texas. My question for you is, are you on my war on weather bandwagon? I am your fearless ally. Step and step. Your premium Texas high school football podcast from your friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. I am the Tep Greg Tepper. And I'm the Step, Matt Step. Thank you for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very, very much. And welcome to football season. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Let's, there, there, there are games. There are games this week. Yeah, there, there are lots of small school games, and we're gonna, we're gonna enjoy every week that we have because every week's a blessing. That's every week, my, That's my positive view on things. Every week is a, I, is a blessing. I totally agree. Every week is a blessing. As uh, the, the, you know, the every, every week it's we gotta we gotta go into this thinking we're playing with house money. You know what I mean? That's the best yep. way to think about it. Um, and so this is your week one preview of Tep and Step. We do appreciate you being a Dave Campbell's Texas football insider. Make sure you tell your friends that they can get this dumb podcast in their feed too if they become an insider at texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's funny. We are normally like, um, we're normally talking about how it's like, oh, here comes small school Step or here comes big school Tepper. Well, we're all small school guys now. Yes, we are, we are all small school fans and and as you will talk about on my schedule, and it's going to be some different games going to this 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 year, at least for the first four weeks. And and I think it's great. I think the small schools are going to get um, kind of the focus shined on them that they don't always get. Um, and so I think that's a cool thing. We'll be able to really uh, get into the get into the weeds and break down some games that maybe wouldn't we have a full schedule six a on down we normally wouldn't get to. I do I do think it's going to be interesting that. Like there are definitely you and I definitely know some people out there who don't pay attention to anything below six A or even or maybe like five A. You know what I mean? And I wonder and, and and I think there's a lot of casual high school football fans who are like that. Who are like, Oh, okay, I pay attention to whenever it gets to the quarterfinals. Uh, of the playoffs, I'll pay attention to kind of everybody, but especially 6A and 5A. Like, do you think there are people out there who think like, oh, football season doesn't even start yet? I'm sure there's a few people. There's a few big school snobs, for lack of a better yeah. term, that maybe don't pay attention to the small schools as much. And, and if you are one of those big school snobs, shame on you, because there's a lot of great football at the small school level. Yeah. I mean, even me, I mean, I'm not the biggest six-man person. In fact, I don't, I don't really watch six-man football, but I know it's still entertaining and good football for some people. So, um, you know, even on down to that, that realm, you should, you know, give it a shot and take a look and see. And, uh, and, and you might be surprised. You should simply view this as an opportunity to expand your horizons. If you're a big school guy, that's fine. That's fine. But but you can still be a big school guy. But in these first few weeks, just yeah, expand your horizons. Um, exactly. So, the one thing I would say is I wish I wish there I wish we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. And you, if you were a big, obviously, right? That's a that's the that's the quote of the day right there. But yes. Um, but, Hard degree. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love for for a quote unquote big school snob to be able to have the chance this week to go out and go to a small town and watch a game. And I know that's probably not going to happen just because of the attendance limitations and those tickets are going to get snatched up by the home fans as they should. But that's the one regret that I guess that I have with this is that I wish the big school fans would have a chance to go 
to some of these 2A and 3A towns and, and watch a game at, at the home stadium. They'd really be entertained, I think. Well, we've got a lot to get to, including the return of our hipster games of the week. Uh, which, by the way, it, with a truncated c- schedule, like you want to talk, we're going to get real hipstery. Yeah, we're gonna this real is going to be we're going to get real weird. But uh, we will start as we always do, Matthew, with your Texas high school football fun fact of the week. So on the questionnaire that we send out to coaches, uh, we ask them, hey, you know, a lot of nitty gritty information. Uh, one of the things we ask them is how many starters they bring back on each side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, I'm just I'm, I'm looking it up here. Um, Georgetown Eastview. Georgetown Eastview brings back eight starters on offense and five starters on defense. Part of the reason why we think they have a chance to be pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But, well, teams that return more starters, generally speaking, have a better year than the year before because of experience. So, Matthew, there were a grand total of three teams that submitted questionnaires that said they brought back 22 starters from last year. That's right. Every single starter. Now, two of them come with a bit of an asterisk. One of them is Conroe Grand Oaks. Mm-hmm. So that's school. a new program. New program, yeah. And another one is Buta Johnson. That's an, another new program. But there is one program uh, that is not new that brings back every starter from last year. In fact, I can tell you, they have been playing football since 1920. Matt Stepp, hmm. who is the only non-new Texas high school football program to bring back every one of their starters? You want to know how big of a nerd I am? I know the answer to this. Are you serious? Yep. I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this. And as Let's you can see. tell, I have not researched it. I, I don't have a Dave Campbell's in front of no, me. No, and I should and I should be very clear. Like when I say this is the Texas High School Ball Fun Fact of the Week, I do not send you these. Like my <laughs> whole goal, if you're new to this, my whole goal is to stump you. It's Farwell. How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you have an illness. How did you know that? Yes, it's a sickness. Uh, I was you know doing that? some research on far on just that just that part of the state. Uh, I was just doing some research on that part of the state and 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 happened to come across it. Um, yes, last night actually, I was looking at their district because they moved up to two A Division One from Division Two, and they have a new coach. And so I was just kind of reading up on that district, kind of researching possible hipster games, and that's how I popped up on that. Wow, that's right. The Farwell Steers do bring back. <laughs> All 22 starters. In fact, they lost a grand total of one letterman from last year's team, and they weren't bad last year. They were a seven and four team. They were a playoff team. They're last generally year. a good team out in far west Texas. They're usually a, a pretty. They're, they're far well is in the middle of nowhere. It's like on the New Mexico border, kind of between the pan, kind of in that no man's land. They don't really get covered by Lubbock, and they don't really get covered by Amarillo. They're kind of in that no man's land right on the border, and and they, but they always have a good team. They always, but they're moving up to Division One, so I'm interested to see how they how they do this year. So there you have it. If you knew, like Matt Stepp, that Farwell has all 22 starters coming back, congratulations. You too have an illness, and you knew the Texas high school football fun fact of the week. All right, Matthew, it's time to get into our week one preview. Uh, According to my, um, let me see. I think I had this at one point. I think I can tell you how many games there are. 
Um, there are from an eleven from a uh, yeah. Let's see. That should be. There are I believe three hundred and around three hundred and ten games this weekend. Um, now a lot of these. What, what's going to be interesting is is and that's for oh, we're talking UIL. I should say. Um, what's going to be interesting is that we've already got some movement, and so we record this on Monday afternoon. We've already got some movement because it's just uh, like twenty twenty is just relentless. Um, uh, we've already been dealing with the pandemic, but also we have games that are being canceled because of the hurricane, right? Yes, we have games that are being canceled and or rescheduled, and and it's just a fluid. The schedule is a fluid thing, and I think we're going to be saying that all year. Um, and it is definitely fluid in week one with the combination of COVID and uh, bad weather uh, in the Gulf of Mexico. It's, had, it's affected my schedule. So it's 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 just going to be – it is just going to be 2020, and that's just how it's going to be, and we're just going to have to deal with it. It just kind of stinks, but uh, we will deal. Um, I, I should say – and I, I guess we'll kind of say this uh, every every time we put something out in the next uh, – for the next, like, year – which is like everything we say is kind of subject to change. Um, that like we're going to preview these games, and these games, to the best of our knowledge, are happening this season or like this this week. Yeah. As like, of as of four ten on Monday afternoon, they're happening. Yeah, uh, but like we can't promise that they're going to happen because there's any number of things that can happen. And I know that that's kind of the situation every single year, but it never really happens that way. Uh, it's just especially important this year that you guys understand that we're we're trying to keep up to date on everything. But when you're dealing with more than 1,400 Texas high school football teams, uh, you there are there is going to be some fluidity. So uh, make sure you check TexasFootball.com for the latest. Make sure you check Steps Twitter for the latest. Um, we will try to keep you as as apprised on all things Texas high school football as possible. But it is a great big world out there, and there's a lot changing at a pretty rapid pace. Yep. So don't blame us. So, so we will now get to, if this is your first time with Tep and Step, welcome in an in-season episode. Uh, we are going to start with our draft, wherein we go back and forth, selecting games that we are most interested in seeing uh, in uh, a given week. Once a game is picked, it is off the board. And so there are a number of different games across the state that are certainly drawing our interest. We did the coin flip before the show. Step one, the coin flip. He gets the number one choice uh, in week one. So Matt Step. What is your first draft pick of the 2020 Texas High School football season? Well, I'm going to go with a game that just got scheduled today, Greg. Um, mm. And I had a, I think I had a slight hand in scheduling. As huh. uh, as, of, as of today, Port Lavaca Calhoun and Waco La Vega, two teams that are, that are in the top ten of our 4A Division One rankings, uh, Vega's number one, Calhoun is number five, uh, are meeting up in a neutral site showdown in Bastrop on Friday night. Uh Calhoun was originally scheduled to play uh, Geronimo Navarro. That game got canceled about a week and a half ago because Navarro had a outbreak of COVID. Um, and uh, West Orange Stark was supposed to play Waco La Vega on Friday night in Madisonville. Um, but due to the storms in the Gulf, the hurricane, tropical storm activity in the Gulf, um, West Orange Stark and what La Vega canceled. So La Vega and Calhoun said, hey, you want to play? Why not? Let's play in Bastrop Friday night. So... Um, Waco La Vega, this is their third week one opponent of the year because they were originally <laughs> <laughs> they're taking the motto of anytime, any, any, anyone, anytime, anywhere to a new level because originally after realignment they were slated to play Dumas in Sweetwater 
That got canceled after COVID. Then they were scheduled to play West Orange Stark in Madisonville. That got canceled due to a hurricane. And now they're playing Port Lavaca Calhoun in Bastrop. So Don Hyde is hell-bent on getting his Pirates a game in, in week one, and it doesn't matter who they're playing. They're going to play somebody tough, and it should be a whale of a ball game. I'm really interested to see um, that La Vega defense going against what, what Richard Whitaker calls the flying veer at Calhoun. It's not really the slot mm-hmm. T. It's not really the veer. It's kind of a hybrid of both, and they, they call it the flying veer. And the Sand Crabs, uh, as you know, with Steven Johnson at running back, they put up big numbers running the football. And that offensive attack going against that La Vega defense, which has had experience in the past playing teams like Liberty Hill uh, and the slot T that they run, shutting those kind of offenses down. Now, La Vega has no film on Calhoun because Calhoun didn't scrimmage and they, they, they haven't had a scrimmage. So any film La Vega has of Calhoun to be last year's film. So uh, I'm not sure Calhoun's got any film of La Vega in their scrimmage last week. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how these two teams match up. And I think it's going to be a great litmus test for two of the top five teams in our 4A Division One rankings. Yeah, and, and I think what's going to be interesting is I am very interested in the post-game analysis of this game because um, there's a lot of different ways this game can go. I think there's a fair chance that Calhoun wins this game and we come out thinking, you know what? I think La Vegas just as good as we thought they were. Like, I think that there's, there's, there's a real chance in, in this game of because of the circumstances surrounding it and because La Vega now has four days to figure out, like, basically a one-of-a-kind offense. Like, like, I don't know anybody else at any level in the nation that runs what Calhoun does. And, by the way, runs it really well. Like, forget about the fact that, they, that they've, they, you know, forget about the, the, the scheme for a second. They're just a really good football team. Um, and what's interesting about this game is that this is going to be a test of La Vega's, arguably La Vega's strength, in my opinion, is at the linebacker core. Uh, with Demarquise Hayes, uh, with Jordan Rogers, um, they're 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 the middle of their defense is really solid, really really solid. Well, here is the here is a pop quiz. You know what I mean? Exactly. This is a pop quiz. That's a great way for to this put team. it. That's a great way to put it. And 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 we're gonna find out. Like you know, it, it it's one of those things that that it would not surprise me if La Vega has trouble. Con- containing this offense simply because like a lot of teams who have three weeks to figure this out, this offense can't figure out this offense. The other side is interesting too, because I do think that Calhoun, you know, their defense uh, in the past couple of years have been, has been pretty good, but they're going to be facing a team in La Vega that I don't know if they've seen this kind of speed in a while. Uh, probably not since their last deep playoff run in 5A when they were, mm-hmm. I think they got to the state semis and played Brenham mm-hmm. uh, in the semis that year. It's, it's been a while for Calhoun. Calhoun's been a really good team, but you're right. La Vega brings a different level of speed and athleticism than what you would normally see uh, down in Region 4. But I mean, you know, I guess Corpus Christi Miller usually brings a lot of speed to the table. Um, but Calhoun wasn't in their district last year. They're in the district this year. So this will be a great test for La, La, for Calhoun, even though La Vega and, and Miller uh, schematically are different different kinds of ball clubs. Um, I think this will be a good test for Calhoun to see how they handle a team that at the skill positions has a lot of athleticism and can, can break one and go to the house at any moment. 
It is. It's it is a for 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 a million different reasons. For a million different reasons, this game is fascinating and also might tell us next to nothing about these teams. Like, it's a weird, it's just a bizarre, bizarre circumstance, which I think is an appropriate first pick for uh, for this uh, this this year. Uh, all right, that's a good pick. You take La Vega and Calhoun. Uh, I do 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 do. All right, I'm gonna go. I don't want to wait till Friday. Step. I don't want to wait till Friday. What? You're, you're going to pick a third? That's one thing about the small schools playing, by the way, is the Thursday and Saturday slates are very thin. So I wonder what game you're going to pick Thursday night. Why, Matthew, why don't we head east? And why don't we go to a stadium that you have recommended to me on multiple occasions? Like multiple years, I think you've said you've got to get out to Gladewater. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to Jack Murphy Stadium in Gladewater, 7 p.m. Thursday, as the Gladewater Bears welcome in the Gilmer Buckeyes in a game that uh, feels feels like it could be a, a good. It, it feels like it could be a good measuring stick for both of these teams. Now, part of it is I do think that because Gladewater is a is a 3A team playing up against a 4A team. Uh, we're probably going to give them a little bit more of, of, of grace in this game. But I think this Gladewater team, I know you're really high on them um, for for a lot of different reasons. I'm high on them too. And, and I think that, look, for a Gilmer team that is going to be, uh, you know, I think like every team, going to be working in some new pieces, going to be working in some places. Like if you are talking about a team that, that could be, could fire out of the gates quick, especially offensively. Gladewater could be that team. With Elijah yes. Carter back, uh, with uh, DJ Allen, the receiver, with Tristan Holmes, their quarterback. They're loaded this is on a offense. Team. They're loaded. Their, their, their offense is ready to go right now. Like they do not, they do, they're not going to need to, they're not a diesel engine. You know what I mean? They are, they're, they're an electric engine. You turn it on and they're ready. Um, now they're going up against this Gilmer team that does have some some pieces to to replace. I really, uh, my eye in this game is going to be on Mason Hurt, their quarterback. Um, if Mason Hurt can put together a big game, then I think Gilmer is going to come out. I think he's a big, a big. Uh, I think he's the guy who's going to ultimately tell us how far Gilmer goes. That I, if they can get quality quarterback play and Mason Hurt can take that next step, then Gilmer gets up into that 4A Division II title contention right there, like right away. Um, this is also a big question for two defenses that we don't really know a ton about. Um, both these defenses, I think, are enter the season as a bit of like, we'll see. Uh, well, they're both going to get tested right out of the gates. Um, this game is it's, it's a it's a fun Thursday night affair out there in Gladewater. Um, it's going to be weird, uh, but I think all of these games are going to be weird. Uh, and and I just I'm really interested to see. Uh, I think this could could be a nice measuring stick for both of these teams, especially like if Gladewater comes out and and really really hangs with Gilmer or even beats them, then. Suddenly, they start to turn a lot of they start to turn a lot of heads out there in East Texas. Yeah, and the first thing about this game this is this is a blood feud. This th- these two are ancient rivals. These two towns are just down the road from each other. They're not far from each other at all. They have the same school colors. They they the kids know each other. This, this is a blood feud. 
Um, I don't know if you remember a couple of years, a few years ago when they played in the playoffs in that famous game at Lobo Stadium in Longview where the fans ringed around the stadium. I mean, this is a huge rivalry, a big game. Even though it's non-district, it's, it's something that um, – both these communities want the win. And, and typically, traditionally, the last few years, Gilmer has had the upper hand in this rivalry. So you, you can imagine Gladewater with a, with a loaded team, new head coach, hometown boy, and Johnny Louvier um, taking over at Gladewater as the head coach. Um, they want this one bad. And, and so I think this is going to be a really interesting test um, because I think both these teams are not the favorites in their region, but they're kind of right there on that cusp of mm-hmm. potentially being a, a favorite to win. Because, you know, you look at Gladewater, in three division one Grandview is the favorite in that region you know you know then you got Pottsboro who eliminated Gladewater from the playoffs Gilmer in region two and 4A division two they got to get past Pleasant Grove both these teams are kind of right there on the cusp and so I think this is like you said a great measuring stick game it's a Thursday night game the eyes of most of the state are going to be on this game I think you and Ish are going to be watching this one online Thursday night so it's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to be a game that I think a lot of people are watching in a, in a great top 10 showdown uh, here in uh, East Texas and if you are interested, this will be the 62nd meeting between Gilmer and Gladewater. They first met in 1929. Uh, so, yeah, these, uh, these teams go back a bit. Uh, so I will take Gladewater and Gilmer with my first selection. What is your second draft pick, Matthew? I'm going to head over to – I'm, I'm big on the neutral site games early in the year. I'm going to head over to Iowa Park for a regional semifinal rematch in 3A Division One as Bushland takes on the number one team in our 3A Division One rankings, the Brock Eagles, uh, at the scene of last year's classic regional semifinal that Brock won in overtime, uh, ending Bushland's 12-0 run last year. Um, I think this is another great measuring stick game for a Bushland squad that has a lot of questions. They got a new head coach in Josh Reynolds. They lost a great senior class. They've got some talented pieces back, but they've only got four starters back on both sides of the ball. Um, we're going to see where they stand real quick because Brock's loaded. This is a Brock team that has as many as three Division One players on the defensive side of the ball, two who are already committed, one who will pro- a third who will probably sign with the Division One school uh, when it's all said and done. They've got Cash Jones back at running back. They're loaded on the offensive line, and Brock has something that a lot of 3A Division One teams don't have, and that's depth. Brock has elite numbers in their program and they're able to run fresh guys in um, on offense and defense and special teams. And that's a huge advantage for them. Bushland will have a, a, a little bit more team speed across the board, but I, I just wonder, I think Brock up front, I think they're just way too physical and way too dominant. And, and I, 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 I think Brock's going to roll in this one, but I'm really interested to see if Bushland keeps this close. I think it could be a matter of us really under underrating what Bushland has coming back. I agree with that. I, and that's that to me is is the big question because I I feel like I know what Brock is. Like I feel like they don't they don't tend to disappoint uh just in their brief history. They don't tend to, to be a team that underachieves. Um and we feel like we know what Brock has this year. I feel like we know that they're gonna be pretty darn good. If you want to say they're the best team in the state, that's fine. If you want to say that I don't think you can say they're anything but a top five team in the state, I think that's fair right now. But Bushland is a question. Like Bushland's a big question. Now they're going to they're they're working in this new quarterback Coleman Janelle, who they, they feel really good about. They feel like they got a guy there, but we're going to find out a lot about this Bushland team that are they able to kind of put it all together? If because if they are, then suddenly Region 1 of 3A Division 1 gets really interesting. That for now, you know, look, everybody's kind of looking at this and they're saying, "Okay, well it's it's Brock's it's Brock's region to lose." 
Well, if Bushland can beat them in week one, then suddenly that's gonna that has major implications for down the road. Um, yeah, I'm absolutely. really we've kind of you know on our preview show we kind of said three division one region one is Brock's to lose, and I I think if Bushland even if they don't win this game but make a good showing with the youth that they have because Bushland's going to be a team that that they're not a finished product they're they're going to get better as the season progresses because they're so young. Where I think Brock, they may not be a finished product, but I think they're going to be a lot closer to a finished product because of the experience they have coming back. So if Bushland keeps this game close, I think that's going to give them a lot of confidence heading into the rest of the season and potentially into the playoffs that maybe if they see Brock again in the second or third round of the playoffs, they might be able to knock the Eagles off. Interested in that. Good pick. Good pick. All right. I am going to go a few different places I can go. Let's go to another team that we have pretty high hopes for. And I feel like they've loaded up their non-district schedule, so we'll probably be talking about them before. And I just realized I left them off the picks video, so I'm going to get some emails about it. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Let's talk about Argyle and Decatur. Okay. Argyle and Decatur, because I did forget to flip. I just realized it's now my pick script, but alas. Um, okay. So Argyle is a team that I don't think I'm breaking any news here. We think is going to be pretty good. We have them ranked second in the state. We have them ranked second in the state in 4A Division One. We think they're going to be pretty darn solid. And for good reason. Like, they look like a team that's got basically everything you want in a state championship contender with one big question. So, look, I, I, I think the running game with Tito Bice is going to be pretty good. I think they have a bona fide game breaker at the wide receiver spot in Cole Kirkpatrick. I think their defense, which brings back seven starters, has a chance to be excellent. They've got one of the best tight ends in the state in Jasper Lott. The offensive line looks great. They're always very big up front. This is no exception. They're going to be big again. But there is one big question. And that big question is, what do they do at quarterback? Yep. We just we just don't know. They have a guy in C.J. Rogers that they feel like is ready for prime time. They feel like they've been grooming him behind Bo Hogaboom, and they I feel like that's Coach he, Rogers' son. I think. Um, I oh. will say that if I don't, I don't think he is no, only no? because okay. they they spell their their spell their because because Coach Rogers has a D in his okay. name. Never mind. Now it is entirely possible he misspelled his son's name, but mm. I am not, I'm going to assume he didn't. Yeah, I don't think Mom would appreciate that. You're right. It's, exactly. I, I looked at it. You're right. I, for some reason, exactly. but his, his son played quarterback a few years ago. They, Coach Rogers had a son that was the quarterback mm. when they lost to Navasota in the state championship right. when Trim and Dixon had that huge game. So the CJ Rogers, like every all the all the reports out of Argyle is that they really like this kid, but it's like we're gonna find out. Like it's gonna be right into the right into the the mix. It's kind of a similar thing, maybe to a lesser extent with Decatur. Um, I think Mike Fuller's very quietly built just a, a really really solid year in and year out program out there at Decatur, mm-hmm. and again. They've got a lot of the pieces you really like. I think their defense has a chance, especially in the secondary, to be really good. Landry Phipps and, and Jackson Carroll. I think they, they're their linebacker core. Max Down is going to be pretty good. I think their line offensive line is going to be good. I think they have a playmaking receiver in David Juarez. But they have one big question, and that is at the quarterback spot. Like uh, now they've got a guy in Landon Howell that was the backup last year, and he. Again, they think he's a dual threat. They think he's got a chance to be good. But if you want to talk about two teams 
that we have a lot of good answers for and then one giant question, well, here you go, going up against one another in week one. And that'll that'll be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, I, I think when you look at this matchup, I, I think – you take the question marks at the quarterback spots, and I think they kind of cancel each other out. Um, I think Argyle's edge – I think Argyle at the other spots is just better than Decatur. Um, in the trenches, I think Argyle's going to have a big edge, and I think Argyle at the skill spots – Decatur has good good skill players. I think Argyle's skill players are just a little bit better. Um, so that's why I give the edge to Argyle in this game because I think just across the board, uh, unless Landon Howell is just a revelation at quarterback and, and – and repeats what Decatur's had at quarterback and, and Cooper uh, CJ Rogers just has a bad game. Maybe Decatur pulls the upset, but I think all things considered, um, you got to give the edge to Argyle because I, I just think they're they're better across the board at those key spots. I think I agree with you. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm just really interested. I'm really interested in 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 both of their both those questions because if both quarterbacks come out looking great, then it's like all right, like this is one of those games that I feel like I could come out feeling really good about both teams. That's that's oh, where I I'm, agree. That's where I'm I think if Decatur can Argyle's our number two team in the state rankings. We 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 are pretty confident that Argyle's gonna be an elite team. But I think if Decatur because Decatur right now we kinda have Decatur kind of pegged behind Springtown in, in District mm-hmm. 4 4A Division One. But I think if Decatur has a good showing, not only do they vault to um potentially uh, uh, at the top of the district standings from as far as how we view the district. But I think you have to start talking about Decatur again as a regional contender along with Springtown and Dumas. All right, on to round three. What is your third pick, Matthew? I'm going to head out to the big country and I'm going to get a clash of styles with former district rivals as the Wall Hawks mm-hmm. visit the Eastland Mavericks, who are moving down to 3A Division II after spending the last two years in a really good district with the Wall Hawks. Um, I think in this game, you, you look at Wall and um, – you know, Drew Morrison, who, who took over late last year at quarterback after, um, um, gosh, was it Fuchs, the quarterback for a wall last yeah. year? Got Mason, right Mason, the- Mason Fuchs. Mason yeah, Fuchs. 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 I want to be very clear. Is Fuchs. Mason Fuchs. Okay? I say that and sound like I'm saying the F, dropping an F bomb. Because, on the because and, and let me tell you, uh, it was, I believe it was Mark Followell who called that game for Texas football days last year. And oh. he was so, he was, there was a lot of white knuckling. That <laughs> I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him at all, but he, he's graduated. And uh, Drew Morrison, who took over last year after playing linebacker, took over the offense last year, late in the year, um, is back. And I think that the experience that he got last year is going to be key because Wall's offense, they run the flex bone and it's very quarterback centric. The quarterback's got to make a lot of reads and make the correct reads uh, in this offense for Wall to be successful. So I, I do think uh, we'll be interested to see how much Morrison has improved from last year because last year when when, when Wall had the injury at quarterback, they, they struggled on offense. And that's really what was kind of their undoing in their playoff loss to Pilot Point last year. Um, obviously, the offensive line is great. They've got a Baylor commit, Tate Williams up front. Um, I think the defense, the, the, the difference with Wall this year is a lot of their defensive players are going to have to play on the offensive side of the ball this year. There's not as much depth this year. And that could be an issue, especially early in the season when you're going against an up-tempo spread offense that Eastland throws down. And they've got no questions at quarterback because they've got a Texas Tech commit in Baron Morton who is back for his third year leading the Mavericks offense. And, and he is – you know, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks and playmakers uh, in all of West Texas. Um, 
and then, you know, you, you pair him with Brandon Fielding, who's a you know 200 plus pound running back for Eastland. Uh, the the Mavericks are going to move the football, I think. Uh, their big questions are, are up front. They, they, they lost a lot of guys in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And I, I think against Wall early on, it's going to that's going to be a concern. But, but I think if Eastland gets a good showing here at home, um, I think that's going to give them a lot of hope as they look to be a contender in 3A Division II Region 2. Because if Eastland can come out and have a good showing against Wall, I think they'll, that would give them a lot of confidence if they had a later round playoff showdown against a team like Gunter. I, I totally agree with you, and, and, and the, the style clash here is, is just fascinating. Uh, it's Air Raid against Flexbone, which is just peak peak small school football. Um, and, and yeah, you know, Wall is a team that I think feels like they left one, they, they left one out there last year. And I think part of it was they got bit hard by the injury bug. Um, but I feel like they, uh, I, I, I get the sense that around that program, they feel like they, uh, they didn't live up to what they were supposed to. And they're, they've got a lot of, got a lot of pieces to replace to be clear, but I wonder if if that's something that you know Coach Guy is gonna is gonna um, is gonna really hammer home is like look this is where it starts right now we saw them come out of the gates really strong last year and end Mason's home winning streak uh, now they get another big test as they take on a, a very good Eastland team so Wall Eastland an excellent excellent pick all right and here's where we're, I think we've now reached the point because we're right now we're in the middle of the draft we have now reached the point where I'm a little glad that the big schools aren't playing. Because there is no way in heck that I would be taking Troy and Salado with the third with my third pick if we had six A and five A games. Yeah, this, this is a that's a great little. You know, people don't realize how close those two towns are to each other in I thirty five. There's not a, there's not a big. I mean, I think uh, if memory serves correctly, Troy just got to go through got to go through Temple and Colleen, and you're in Salado. So uh, there's See, a lot of familiarity Troy between these two towns. Troy's, Troy's just north of Temple, right? Uh, that is correct. Troy, yeah. Texas to Salado, Texas is 23 minutes. Yeah, it's uh, not yeah. far. They're on other, they're basically on opposite sides of, of the temp, of Temple Belton. Salado's just south of Belton. Troy's just north of Temple. Yeah. Um, all right. This game, um, I feel like you will not get great value for your ticket if you are heading to uh, UMA. They are playing in Belton. They're playing at Crusader Stadium at, at Mary Harden Baylor. Oh, um, neutral side action. I like it. That's a great stadium, by the way. It's an awesome yeah. stadium. I'm I'm excited. Uh, 7:30 p.m. Friday, and I I'll be honest. I don't feel like you're going to get great value for your ticket because this game's going to be over in like 45 minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> because both of these teams are just going to run the ball. Uh, they, they, that's what they do, and for good reason. Uh, Salado. They run the slot T, and the slot T, as you all know, is the devil. And they do it really well. Rook Brown is the name to know. It's it's Rook with a W. <laughs> Rook Brown is the name to know for, for Salado, and he is a dynamo out it's, of this uh, slot T offense. D1 commit. Yeah. This kid is a star. Keep an eye on Rook Brown there out of out, uh, out of the, the slot T. And on the other side, you have probably... <sighs> Oh, I want to. I, I don't know if I want to say this, but I'll just come out and say it. I think maybe the quietest, awesome running back um, in 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 the state it, the past couple of years. Okay, Zach Urbachik has been unbelievable the past couple of years. Okay, is as a sophomore in 2019 or 2018 rather, he ran for 2,045 yards. As a junior, he ran for 2,746 yards. 
This guy has been awesome. Awesome. And is now a three-year starter out of here and, like, legit has eyes on a a 3,000-yard season. Like... And by the way, here's a complete list of everybody who ran for 3,000 yards at the at the UIL uh, 11-man level last year. Ready? Aaron Dumas at El Paso Americas. Congratulations to him on coming to, to New Mexico. Um, let's see. Uh, Ashton Stradick at Needville ran for 3,000 yards. Uh, Colton Marshall at Hawley ran for 3,000 yards. That's the list. That's the list. Yeah, it's not, Zach not, not a list. probably going to get there. Like, barring injury, knock on wood, but, like, he's that good. And so that's what's super interesting about this game is two teams that do the same thing in a different way and now kind of face off against one another. And, by the way, another another pair of teams that, like, look, we've got some questions on defense for both these teams. Troy's defense, we got some questions about. You know, yes. Salado's defense, uh, you know, Salado's defense, they bring back a lot, but last year their 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 defense kind of was their undoing at the end of the year. So this is a really interesting team um, matchup of two teams that uh, you, you I don't want to say they're easy to game plan for because they're not, but you know what's coming, and it's just gonna be a matter of the Jimmys and Joes making making plays. Yeah, I, you know, I get I, I, I I know so we, a lot of folks think really highly of Salado. I'm just not sure this, on Salado this year. I don't know. Um, I, think I, think Troy, I think part of it's having Rook Brown. I think yeah. part of it is that they have an easy hook that at the 3A level you have an FBS commit. That's you know, part of it. And Troy, you know, they've they got Herbaccia. They've got the. I, I think this is going to come down come down to to which defense which which defense which we have questions about is going to make plays. And I, I wonder. I think I think if you're looking at that, I think. Because I think with Salado, it's more about the scheme than it is the actual the the with, with Troy. They've got such a dynamic player in Herbacek. I wonder if 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 Salado's defense is just going to be able to just zero in on Herbacek and just say somebody else has to beat us. Whereas yeah. with Salado's scheme, I wonder that they can still spread the ball around so much that that may give Troy some problems. So that's why I give Salado the bigger school, you know, the four A Division two program in this game, give them a little bit of the edge uh, over Salado just from that perspective. But I, I think it's a, but I think if Troy can come out and have a good showing, they're in such a brutal district. I think this gives them some confidence that they picked up last year as well when they get into district play, which they're in one of the toughest districts in the state with Cameron Yo and Rockdale. And hey, fun neutral site matchup. That if you're in the Central Texas area, head over to Crusader Stadium. Well, call ahead. I think you have to pro- probably buy tickets online. I keep saying yeah. go over to the. But game. It's, a, it's, a bigger, it's a bigger stadium, so hopefully you know. But that, that playing that game at a bigger stadium will allow for uh, yeah. a few more fans to show up. On to round four, Matthew. What is your fourth pick in the draft? I'm going down to South Texas, uh, the, the coast, as Hallettsville. Visits Shiner in a really intriguing matchup. Um, Hallisville, you know, people forget Hallisville last year went ten and three in three A Division one. This was a very good team, and they've got one of the best players in that part of the state in Texas commit running back Jonathan Brooks. Uh, over twenty one yards, twenty one hundred yards rushing last year, forty five touchdowns. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. He's really the focal point uh, of of that offense for Hallisville going up against the Shiner team that that we think is the favorite to win the state title in 2A Division One, but do they have any kind of hangover from the last time they played football when they lost that absolute cr- – had a crushing, crushing loss to, to Refurio uh, in the regional semifinals last year? 
we think Shiner's going to be great. You know, they've got Doug Brooks, Dalton Brooks, Zane Rhodes. They've got experience out the wazoo. Tyler Palmer at quarterback running the ball. I mean, this Shiner team, their, their frontline talent is is as good as we've seen in 2A Division One. But they're going up against a Hallisville team. That's a, that's a larger program. They've got more depth. They've got they've got more size. They have more numbers. So I'll be interested to see if Shiner, um, if their depth, especially you know with, with the lack of conditioning we've had, the lack of practice time that a lot of schools have had, um, is is that going to negatively impact a, a Shiner team that that's just thinner on numbers than Hallisville? And by the way, I mean this is a this is a Shiner team, a Shiner program that is not in the business of losing regular season games. Um, they have lost a grand total of do 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 quick math uh, in the last five years. They've lost a grand total of six non uh, regular season games. Um, they yeah, just don't. They're, they're, but they just get overshadowed by Refurio so much that people forget yeah. how consistently good Shiner is year in and year out. But but this Hallisville team, you're right. Not only because of the star power with, with Jonathan Brooks, but also this is just a really big physical team that is just like they're they're bruising. They beat you up, and those are the types of teams that tend to give smaller teams trouble. Just generally speaking, is that like if you've got if you're going up against team and they've got like a a, a lights out court. Let's go back to Eastland, right? Eastland could play. Uh, if they were to play a a, a really good two A team, the two A team is probably going to hang with them because it's like, all right, let's let's try to you know we can we can kind of hopefully out scheme them and stuff like that. It's hard to out scheme Hallettsville because they're just going to run it at you, and yeah. and at some at some point that that does become a breaking point. So this is a huge test for Shiner that if they're able to hold their own against a really good Hallettsville team at the three A level, then suddenly it's like okay, like time to buy in on the Comanches. Yeah, like we're not already bought in on them, but this would just right, cause true. us to buy in even more. This, this is, you know, I, I just I think back, you know, how, how Shiner last year, do, do they think about that Referio game at all, you know, yeah. before this game? Because that, that loss was just, you know, we watched it last year on online. It was it was one of the craziest high school games you'll ever see. Um, how, how much maybe maybe even do they put extra pressure on themselves to come out with a good start and, and, yeah. and there's a little bit of pressing going on against the Hallisville team because they want to just get on the field and just get that memory of that of that loss out of their heads because I know the senior class at Shiners had had these expectations of a state title for a while and now this is the start of, of the year they're, they're they're in essence they're supposed to win it all this year yeah you're right all right on to my fourth pick my fourth pick let's go to a rematch of the 3A Division I state championship game from 2018. 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Zebra Stadium in Grandview. As the Grandview, Zeb- Grandview Zebras rather welcome in the Malakoff Tigers in... Is this their fourth meeting in three seasons? Uh, I believe this is the fourth meeting because they played twice in 2018. They played last year in the regular season. And this will be the yeah number meeting number four yeah yeah so I guess what you would you would say is that like so Grandview has played um, they played in the regular season in non district I want to say that was like week four so then like in their last like twenty nine games this is the fourth one they've played against Malakoff yeah uh, they just, just can't really tire one each other just a little bit 
Well, and what's so funny about this game is that you look at a lot of the key components and a lot of them are still there from yes, that 2018 title game. There's a lot of three three year starters in this game. Uh, of course, like a lot of the a lot of the ink that's going to be spilled about this game is going to be about Dane Yench, the the quarterback and safety for for Grandview, and he's awesome. And we've talked at length about how awesome he is. And did you know about Dane Yench? He's awesome. Demetrius Crownover is back. This Grandview team, we were talking about it back when they won that title with Brad Davis in 2018. That okay, all these guys are young, and yeah. They lost a decent number of juniors, but a lot of those guys were, were sophomores on that 2018 team. Yes. But the same thing goes for Malakoff. Yes. Because Darian Peace is back at the quarterback spot. That Zamir Ruiz is at the is at the defensive tackle spot. This these teams are like they are just now grown up, is the funny thing about this. And and correct me if I'm wrong. But every one of these games has been close, right? Every time they've played, it's been pretty, pretty competitive. Yeah, pretty competitive. All, all three games have been pretty. I think last year's game was a one. I think Grandview won like fourteen to thirteen. I think Malakal yeah. scored to make it fourteen thirteen and had a uh, unsportsmanlike penalty that pushed the PAT back fifteen yards and they missed the PAT. I believe that's how the game ended last year. So it was, it was a heck of a ball game last year. Um, I expect it to be a good ball game this year. I think Malakoff has a few more questions at the skill spots than Grandview does. Mm-hmm. Malakoff's got to find a running back. They've lost they lost most of their receivers. I, Grandview does have to find a running back as well, but they've got a good amount of their receiving core back. And with Yench, I, I think in that receiving core, I, I think Grandview ha, ha, gets the edge uh, in this game because I think Malakoff's just got to. I think Malakoff's going to be good, and they generally are good at the skill positions. But I think just the youth and inexperience they have at the skill positions is going to be a, a factor in this one well we mentioned this on our uh, on our big preview episode last time is that this is suddenly like a this is a region two measuring stick yes. that because grandview uh, grandview is now in with all their ex-girlfriends um with pottsboro and with malakoff that like uh, like all the teams they've 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 victimized in state championship games are suddenly like within like right in their own uh, right in their world uh, in, in region two. And so this is a really, really interesting matchup here that I think, um, again, has major implications on what you think the shape is of region two, which by the way, also includes Gladewater. So it's a really, it's, it's, we're going to get, I think a better shape of, of who the contenders are in region two of three, division one after this week. All right, Absolutely. Matthew, you, your fifth and final draft pick. All right, I'm going to head to Central Texas where Storm's hamburgers are eaten in the press box as the Brownwood Lions visit the Lampasas Badgers. And Lampasas still has a guy at quarterback by the name of Ace Whitehead. And if you have not had the pleasure to watch Ace Whitehead play, watch him this year because he will be playing baseball for Texas here before you know it. Uh 5,000 yards of offense last year, 75 total touchdowns his junior year. Um, I don't know what, what else you can say about him other than he's a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Yep. That's about um, the long and short of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Land Passes, you, look, you, you remember the last time we saw Land Passes, they were giving Carthage everything they wanted and more in the state semifinals last year. And you talk to uh, Carthage folks and they'll tell you they were, they were lucky to get out of uh, new Caney alive uh, with that win in the state semifinals. So that was an unbelievable ball game. 
Lampasas lost a few guys on defense, but, uh, uh, but the offense with, with Whitehead, they've got a D1 wide receiver and Michael Murray is committed to New Mexico. Their running back, Jack Jerome, is back. Um, he's going to get, you know, last year he split carries. He'll get the he'll get the bulk of the carries this year. And, and I think if Lampasas' defense can, can fill a few holes, especially in the secondary, uh, I think they're going to be they're, – they're the favorite uh, in Region 4 and 4A Division I. Um, my big my big question here is the Lampasas front seven against Brownwood's offensive line because I think yes. Brown, I think Brownwood's offensive line has a chance to be really good. Yes, but the strength of Brownwood's team is is in the trenches, especially the offensive line, because Brownwood is going to rely on a lot of sophomores this year. They, they they're very young at the skill positions. The only real experience they have is Kyron Deal and Royshot Henderson. Um, they're kind of the guys who who the senior giving the senior leadership. They're playing a sophomore at quarterback and Chance Jones. But I remember when we talked to Sammy Burnett last year when we were in Brownwood for the uh, post Valley View game. And Coach Burnett said, you know, next year we're going to be really young. But he, he really, really likes this sophomore class. He thinks they've got a lot of potential. And he's throwing them right into the fire right away because Lampasas is a tough place to play. That stadium, even though it won't be packed to the gills because of, of the COVID restrictions, it's a, it's an old stadium right in the middle of downtown. And the fans that will be there are going to be loud. It'll, it'll be a fun environment um, over there in Lampasas. Um, I, I think this Brownwood team is going to get – because of the district they're in, they're going to have to grow up in a hurry and this is a great chance to see uh, their young skill kids kind of grow up, grow up right before our eyes. To, to, it's an excellent pick. It was definitely on my radar for my fifth, for my fifth and final pick. I'm going to round out my draft with a game that you could. I think you, if you wanted to put this in in the hipster category, I think you could. Okay. But we're going to go. Wait, where is this game? Let me make sure I don't embarrass myself. Hold on. Um, okay, that game is. Uh, Let's go, Matthew, to another Bear Stadium. This one in Wilson County. Let's go to Lavernia, to Lavernia, Texas, as the Jack Alvarez era begins in Cuero, as the Cuero Gobblers visit the Lavernia Bears. And this game... This game is interesting. This is about as interesting as, of a game as you can get for two teams that went a combined uh, eight and thirteen last year. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> because there's a lot of expectations for both of these teams. Yes, I think for both of them, I think both of them had tough years last year that are not up to their standards, and they are out to get off on the good foot. Jack Alvarez takes over at Cuero, takes over a program uh, that that he really likes, that he's got a lot. They were really young last year, and they've got a lot of key pieces, a lot of pieces that that Coach Alvarez likes, including J.D. Nataro at the quarterback spot, a running back in Jackson Hardwick, uh, a, a couple big offensive linemen in Raiden Rivera and Charles Dorian. This is a Cuero team that I think wants to prove that last year is not there, um, is not up to their standards. But that is that is not what they are about. The same thing, by the way, goes for Lavernia, who I think because they weren't a reigning state champion, I think that they kind of like flew under the radar. But last year at five and six, that's just not that's not what Lavernia is about. Like that's a no because you uh, forget Lavernia in eighteen got to the court, the regional finals and yeah. took Liberty Hill. They, they played Liberty Hill close in that regional final. That, this, that coach Chris Tabor has a really good ball club. They were a twelve and two team last year. 
or two years yeah. ago. And yeah. so, and now they have a quarterback back in Gage Lowry, who is a, he's got a rocket launcher attached to his shoulder. He's got receivers and Daryl Duback uh, back and Coy Carpenter. This offense is going to hum. The question is going to be on the defensive side where they've got to make some strides. And to me, this is a quintessential week one game because it's two teams that want to get that sour taste out of their mouth. And they want to get off on the, get off to a good start and, and prove that, that that this is different. That's what makes this game so interesting to me is that both these teams desperately, desperately want to get off on the good foot, and only one of them can come away with a one no record. Yeah, and I think you know you look at it. I think Lavernia gets the edge in this because of this. This they've they've had the same. So this is a matter of just uh, trying to. Those young guys already have experience. Coriel's learning a new system, and they're yeah. really making a departure from what um, they did under Travis Reeve offensively. Jack Alvarez runs a little bit different scheme, and I think that's going to take Coriel uh, some time to kind of get get the get their footing under them and running this offense. And honestly, Coriel's still fairly young. They're probably oh, yeah. like, they're playing a lot of sophomores right now. So I think you got to give the edge to, to Lavernia in this one just with the experience, uh, not only uh, as far as on the team, but experience in in their often in their schemes as well. Boy, I guess this flew under the radar. Do you know who Cuero's offensive coordinator is? Uh, is it is it Tom Dracos from East Yeah, it's Tom Dracos, the, the the former. I mean, he led Cumby to a to Cumby to an eight and four year last year. Yeah, they had a good. Yeah, they had some good good seasons. So I mean, uh, they've, yeah, that's that's I I just noticed that. I was looking at Coach Alvarez has assembled um, a good good staff over there. Yeah, um, I'm very interested in that. And so there it is. There's your draft. Uh, Step took La Vega Calhoun, Bushland Brock, Wall Eastland, Hallettsville Shiner, and Lampasas Brownwood. I took Gladewater, Gilmer, Argyle, Decatur, which I forgot to put in the picks video, Troy Salado, Grandview Malakoff, and Cuero, and Lavernia. But now it's on to the most important game, which is the hipster game of the week. Uh, Matt yes. Step. Matt Step in, a, in, an, in an era, in, an, in a time where you can only choose 4 a.m. below games. What is your <laughs> hipster game of the week? All right, I, I had two, it came down to two choices, um, and I'm going to go with the smaller schools in the, in the hipster game of the week. I had a I had a four A Division one game. Uh, is four A Division one your hipster game? Uh, it is not. Okay, so I was going to pick Beville Jones and Bernie, which is a really sneaky good game that no one's talking about um, down there in the San Antonio area. But I, I wanted to get more hipster with it, so I'm going with a with a game that is near and dear to both of our hearts because. Our favorite town, the Alpine Fighting Bucks, they're heading just up the road, just up Highway 67, to take on their arch rivals, the Fort Stockton Panthers, uh, in a game that will be, pl- be played twice this year, Greg. As uh-huh. next week, Fort Stockton is returning the trip and going to play Alpine in Alpine. It's uh, a home and home. <laughs> yes, these two, the, the, the schedules got a little screwy because of COVID and some, I think they were both scheduled to play teams out in El Paso early in the year and that got kind of canceled. So they just said, hey, we were already playing one week, let's just play twice. And so Alpine is in week one making the, uh, about a 50 mile trip up Highway 67 to Fort Stockton. You say 50 miles, that's a long way. Nope, not for Alpine. That's the closest 11-man program that's located in the town of Alpine. Um, so I know Mike Peters has told me this is always a big game uh, for, for them and their community. I think uh, John Fellows at Alpine would tell you the same thing. And both these teams are really good. Four Stockton's fresh off a playoff appearance, back-to-back playoff appearances. They're moving up to Division One and Four. They should be really good. Alpine won the di- district title last year in their 3A Division Two district. They're, they have some high hopes this year, so I think this should be a fun, a fun game, uh, just from a rivalry standpoint between these two programs. Uh, and if you don't, if you miss it this year, 
or this week, you can you can just uh, yeah, you can just and you next week. go uh, go to Fort Stockton this week and get the brisket tacos from Tacos OJ, and then next week you can go down to Alpine and eat at Alicia's pregame. Man, you you could you could live Matt Stepp's dream basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, be our beat reporter for that. All right, my hipster game of the week. Let's go, Matthew, to the South Plains, and let's check out. They're at, oh, I want to make sure I get this uh, their, their stadium right. We're going to Riddell Field in Idaloo. All right. As the Idaloo Wildcats, apparently with 50% capacity, they according to Texas Bob, they can have 804 people in the stadium. There we go. The Idaloo Wildcats will welcome in, I think, a sleeper in 3A Division One in Ooh. Region 1, the Denver City Mustangs. Okay. Uh, this game... I think Denver City might have a little something. Uh, they bring back the district MVP and running back Uriel Rodriguez. They bring back the district offensive MVP in Mario Sanchez. Their offensive line's got a 265-pound senior or a senior at center named Sawyer Davis. This is a team that I think could be ready for a step forward. Taking on a traditional power in Idaloo. Uh, Jeff Lofton has done for, great work there forever and ever and ever. Uh, and a team that brings back a lot from last year's team. They bring back uh, 16 starters from last year's team, including a fullback named Brock Leatherwood. I'm sorry, Brock Leatherwood. That's a strong Brock, fullback name. <laughs> fullback Brock Leatherwood. Um, I think this game's going to be fun. I think that this the computer, by the way, if you're interested, the computer has Denver City by two. Uh, a, a very tight game. Denver City was a 10-win team a year ago. I think has a chance to make some noise. Uh, there you have it. That is my hipster game of the week. And by the way, I know you're very high on shallow water. Uh, Denver City is in the shallow water district. And I w- if they were to go and beat Idaloo, I think that that would be a good sign uh, that they could yes. challenge shallow water for that district title. Absolutely. So there you have it. My hipster game of the week is Denver City and Idaloo. Step, uh, I know that your road trip has gotten a little bit of a makeover lately. Uh, Just a would, bit. You like, would you like to tell us what, what's going on in week one? All right, so Thursday, my game is, is has not changed. Uh, I'm going to San Angelo Thursday night uh, as Fredericksburg takes on Monahans in a neutral site game. Uh, first time ever to see Fredericksburg, so that's, I'm excited about that, and I will get a chance to pregame meal at Original Henry's, which I talked about in my uh, road trip video. Get the chicken fried steak with the uh, yellow yeah, gravy. Yeah, the, yellow, the, the, the queso gravy. Yeah, good stuff there. Um, so Friday, I was originally scheduled to do Vider and Silsby, but with the uh, uncertainty with the weather, um, that game has been moved. So now I am going to Lexington on Friday to watch mm. the West Trojans visit the Lexington Eagles. Lexington That's a sneaky is, good game. Yes, Lexington's a team we really think highly of in 3A Division Two, but West in 3A Division One brings back nearly everyone. I think they bring back 19 starters from a team that was – five and six last year. So I'm really interested to see that matchup uh, because I think West could be a sneaky good team in the district they're, they're in. I believe they're in 7-3A Division One with Grandview and Dallas Madison and the, the likes of mm-hmm. those teams. So good measuring stick game for both of those programs on Friday night. And Saturday, I was originally going to go down to Carn City to watch Kennedy and Carn City, but with a fighter in Silsby, which was originally my Friday game, being moved to Saturday at 6 o'clock in Silsby. I'm going to go to Vider and Silsby 
um, Saturday night pending that game being played. Um, if the weather is bad and that game gets canceled, then I will still head down to Carn City for the Kennedy Carn City game. So Saturday is still a little bit in flux, but but if, if all goes well, it'll be Silsby Vider. Uh, and if not, I'll be down in Carn City for Kennedy and Carn City. Kennedy and Carn City is a pretty classic Matt Step move. Yeah. Kennedy is located uh, six miles south of Carn City on 181. They're southeast of San Antonio. So uh, that's a very, very Matt Step game. But hey, they moved it to Saturday night, and uh, it could be Daniel Oschlegel's, Daniel Oschlegel's first game as head coach at Carn City. So um, I might be down there as well. But that's going to be kind of the theme of 2020 is the schedule is going to be in a little bit of state of flux, even for yeah. me as a big-time planner. So uh, you will you will be all over the state. I will once again for an eighth consecutive year uh, be chained to the desk at Fox Sports Southwest, um, dancing for your amusement um, there from eight p.m. until I guess one a.m. I didn't ask. We had a call today, and I didn't ask when scoreboard was ending. But is there, like, is there uh, any worry your contract renewal? Uh, there is not actually. Oh, no. So, um, <laughs> so Fox if anybody's Southwest, listening, please send Greg Tepper a contract. Please send me a contract. I'd I'd like to work for you, please, but I can't do it without a contract. Um, anyway, I'm not worried. worried. I'll get it. I'm a little. I'm a little worried about it. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. So I'll be I'll be chained to the desk for Fox Sports Southwest for five hours. So if you want to tune in for that, if you're going to be staying at home, which a lot of you uh, will be, the other thing we're going to be starting to roll out on texasfootball.com and i believe you and ishmael johnson are kind of teaming up on this um it's, it's, an, the, it's an ishmael johnson join i'm just sending the links ish ish is doing the hard work of actually making it pretty and putting it together so we are going to be putting out we've been getting a lot of questions from people about how can i watch high school football games online now that you can stream games and you can watch games live because the uil lifted the friday night ban um we are going to be listing uh, a we're going to be having a a, uh, a viewers guide every week, and we're gonna we're gonna kind of highlight the games that we're most interested in, like the biggest games of the week. But we're also going to include any other links. So if you know of a link, or you have a link, or you're a coach and you're listening to this, and your game's being live streamed, and you want us to promote it on TexasFootball.com, uh, slide into the steps DMs or, uh, or or text me or something like that. And we will uh, we'll get that updated. Uh, but we will have a viewer's guide uh, for you if you're staying at home. And make sure you have Fox Sports Southwest on. I'm supposed to say that, too. So Yeah, absolutely. To screen it. You can do it. Yeah, anyway. can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Um, how, that's how's good. The, that's, how's the diet going? I'm so ready to be done, man. I understand. I'm so ready to be done. It's the worst. It just, it just sucks. Like, I had a salad for lunch. A salad on purpose. Ugh. You're a better man than me. Uh, yeah, but you're living a better life than I am. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending <laughs> a little bit of your day with us. Thanks for being a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We love you very, very much. Uh, please tell your friends to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Step, thanks for your courage. Thank you. See you next week on Tap and Step. <laughs> <laughs>